is my joy to welcome you to today's podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will minister to you in a special way during our time together. Uh, we've had a crazy, I've been working in two shifts. I've been working in India time to get things done here and I've been working in the US time to get things done there. So I've hardly had sleep. But God, I, I went to God and I said, God, I, I want a word. I don't want to just stand there and just, you know, just say whatever I want. I want a word. So the automatic thing for me to do was go into the scripture where Peter jumped out of the boat. I feel like that. I feel like Peter jumping out of the boat and just trusting God. Uh, but pray that uh, when, when I look at the waves and the wind and all, I will not be shaken. I will look at Jesus. So, that's, uh, so I'm not going to preach from there. That was my obvious choice. But God spoke to me from 1 Samuel verse 30. You know, if you ask me my favorite people in the Bible, uh, I, I know all, all of them are wonderful and all of them have taught me things and God has used everyone in the Bible to teach me. But if, you, if I have to pick one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament, it would be David and Peter. The reason is because I relate to both of them a lot. You know, David because of his worship and, you know, a lot of things. And then Peter because he's man just like me, you know. So uh, I, I'm not going to speak about Peter, but I'm going to speak about David. And First uh, Samuel chapter 30 is, I wanted to title today's message, another, just another day in David's life. Because David is a guy who was full of, he had a lot of issues, a lot of troubles, you know, he, the king was after his life. He was running from the king. He was hiding in caves. He was hiding away from the king. And then uh, one of his children passed pass away. His son dies. Another son revolts against him. So David is plagued with troubles most of the time. This is another one of those instances when David is in the middle of this crisis, this situation. And um, th th there are some things that David brought upon himself. Because of the decision he made, um, decisions he made, and because of various sins he committed or whatever he did, he brought it upon himself. But this is a situation that he did not bring on himself. It just happened, okay? And we don't know why, we don't know what the reason is, but here David is in middle of crisis. So I'm going to explain the story in three parts, all right? The first part talks about what the enemy was doing. All right, here is a story. The Amalekites come and attack two towns. You know, one, one of their names is, I think it's Ziklag. Am I right? Yes. All the theologians said amen. Ziklag is where David and his friends had their family living. David's wives, the friends, friends' families, they were all in Ziklag. And the Amalekites come and they just carry the entire family away. They destroy the city, they take the family away captive, and David and his friends come and see the sight, and they just start weeping. This is the first part of the story. And I want to title my first point as the enemy ravages. All right? What, I'm, what I mean to say is what I just said is typical of the enemy. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, the enemy comes to Steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy comes only, Jesus said. There is no other work for the enemy. All he does is steal, kill, and destroy. Here, he has stolen, he has destroyed, but he hasn't killed. 
Okay, he's in the process. When the enemy comes, he, that is his DNA. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, he comes to destroy. He's doing that even today. Now I want to give you an example. In a marriage, what is the first thing that happens when the enemy attacks? He steals. He steals our joy. He steals the love that we have. He steals the togetherness that we have. And then he goes into destroying and killing mode. In our health, first thing in our bodies, he, he steals our health. And then he destroys. I'm not here to magnify what the enemy does, but I'm going to point out what the enemy does and tell you that he who is in you is greater than the one in the world. Amen? You know, I want to read a wonderful scripture. This is in Ephesians. This is Ephesians chapter 1. Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. And this is something I think all of us should frame alongside the Ten Commandments that you have in your room. Uh, this is an amazing prayer. I'm going to go from verse 19 into 23. And here it goes. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What God did is he put everything under the authority of Jesus Christ. He gave him the name that is above every name. He put everything under his control. And then he says, this is not for me to flex my muscles or show you how mighty I am. But this is for you, the church. It is under our feet. Where is the enemy? Oh, this section knows. Where is the enemy? The enemy is under the feet of the church. I think it's time the church and us believers got to let him know what his place is. It's not in our lives. It's not in our minds. It's not in our hearts. It's under our feet. And who did that? Jesus did that. Once for all, he disarmed all the powers of darkness and he put them under the feet. He made a public spectacle of them and he gave us the victory. We are more than conquerors. The enemy, even today, is working in believers' lives. You know, I grew up, uh, when I grew up, we used to go to a Pentecostal Malayalam church. You know, one of the things they do more than they pray is they cast out demons. If your child is sick, they cast out the demon. You know, and there's a way they do it. I'm not going to show how they do it. But they do it with full authority and power. You know, if, if, if the devil was there, he would run away because that's how much force they use. I don't think we need to use that much force, but we need to start casting out demons out of our lives. You know, the enemy is not, is not just sitting around and watching you blessed, watching you grow, watching you get close to God. He doesn't like it. So he's going to mess with you. He's, he's walking around like a roaring lion trying to devour you. But guess what? We have the lion of Judah in our lives. Amen? Don't live defeated lives. 
My friends, we are called to be more than conquerors. Talk to your situation. Cast the demon out of your families. Let the devil not touch your lives anymore because we belong to Jesus and we are marked by the blood of Jesus and no weapon forged against us. There may be weapons that are formed, but they will not prosper because we are under the covering and protection of our Savior. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But do you know what the other part of the verse says? But Jesus comes to give us life, life everlasting. The opposite to death, destruction, and loss is life. He is speaking life into every one of us. He is the life for all men. John chapter 1 says, this is the life that we have, Zoe life, the life that can give us life is with us. I don't want us to live undefe uh, defeated lives. We are more than conquerors. The enemy ravages. You know, that's, that's what he does. And I want to move on to the next point is David's response to what the enemy does. David has three stages of response. You know, everything about me is three. My first, thank you, sorry, please, three points. If you know, if you know by now the messages I've preached are all three points. I have three girls also in my life. So it's all. So I want to come to the second point, and it says David's response. And he has three responses. The first response is mentioned in verse 4, and this is a very human response. The Bible says, then David and the people who were with him lifted their voices and wept till they had no more power to weep. It's okay to respond to a crisis in a human way. It's okay. And please don't judge somebody who's responding in that way. You may respond, you know, we are, we are human beings. We are emotional beings. So some of us may respond very emotionally. Some of us may express those emotions, others store the emotions inside. But we all go through grief and difficulty when a problem comes. Even Jesus, our Lord, when he heard about Lazarus, what did he do? He wept. He knew that this is for the glory of God. He knew that Lazarus was going to be raised up, but still the situation was so heavy on him that he wept. How much more does he understand us when we respond humanly? David didn't have the most theologically perfect response where he stood up and praised God and said, thank you for the victory. He did not. I wish he had. But he is human. And we are human. You are human. I am human. We have reflexes. When, when situations come, we, we, we respond in a certain way. It's okay. It's okay. And I don't want to condemn yourself when you respond that way. Fear may come. Pain may come. Weeping may happen. But guess what? We need to move on to the next response. In verse 6, the Bible says, and this is my title for today's message, he says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. What happens between verse 4 and verse 5 is his own friends, his own people decide to stone David. Has that happened to you before? People who you have trusted, people who you think will stand with you, 
they suddenly turn against you? My friends, when trouble comes, what is the first thing you do? I know it's okay to respond humanly, but what is next? Do you use the lifeline that Amitabh Bachchan gives in Khan Barega Karodpati and phone a friend? What do you do? You go to the Lord and He will strengthen you. He, the Holy Spirit is with us. He is God with us. And you know what they call, the, uh, what John calls the Holy Spirit over and over again? The comforter. That means he's there to comfort us. He's there to strengthen us. He's there more closer than your closest friend and your family. Why don't we go to God when trouble comes? We can find our strength in the Lord. The Bible says that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will not be weary. They will not be tired. They will renew their strength like an eagle. That's the God we have. You know, I want to uh, give an example of how God came and literally strengthened me. You know, last couple of years, we've all, I mean, the pandemic, we've all gone through different situations. Some of us have gone through loss. Some of us have gone through uh, personal loss, family loss, monetary loss. And I was sitting in, the, in my room, and this was in the middle of the pandemic, and we were struggling as a company. My family business, uh, we were struggling to keep the, you know, keep the salaries going, to keep, we had expenses, the reserves were done, uh, we had taken extra loans, and I was sitting there and I was praying, God, what is going on, you know, and I was speaking to God, and you know what he did? He gave me a word. He spoke from the word of God, and I held on to that word, and you know what the next thing he did? He said, he gave me a song. He surrounded me with a song of deliverance. He gave me a new song. I, I actually shared it with my team and I said, you know what, God, God gave me this song. This is not my song. I heard it, literally I heard it from the Lord and this is the song. And it was a song about restoration. So God is ready to surround you with songs of deliverance. He's ready to give you a word that can rescue you in your situation. My friends, when you go into trouble, I want you to plug into that source where your strength come from. My strength, my help does not come from the mountains, does not come from my friends, does not come from anybody, but from the Lord who created the heaven and the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say, my strength comes from him. You know, I keep telling you to look to the neighbor because I know the seats are comfortable, the AC is cool, and you know, you might just start having dreams and visions. I want you to have that nod in church. All right. He is a God who will strengthen us. And David goes to his next response. First, he weeps, okay? Then he receives strength from the Lord. He, he goes to God and he is strengthened. And then the next response is another very important one. And it's in verse 8. The Bible says, Verse 8, so David inquired of the Lord. Here's something that's amazing. When you go to God and inquire of him, he will give you out of his wisdom. You will be drawing out of divine wisdom, not your own wisdom. He will give you strategies and ideas to get out of the trouble you are in. Amen? 
You know, I want to talk about my dad. He's here in the service. And he keeps telling people he's not a businessman. He's been doing business for more than almost 40 years now. And, but he keeps telling people he's not a businessman. The truth is he's not a businessman. But he's a man of prayer. Every time some strategy comes out of him, I know that this is God. So when you get to God in trouble, be assured that you are drawing out of his wisdom. The one who created everything. The one who sustains everything. The one who created the mind. He's the one who can guide you. So when you come to an impossibility, trust in this God who can lead you in a supernatural way. There is a natural way, but there is a supernatural way. For his ways are high above our ways. So inquire of the Lord. That's what David did. And I want to move to my final point. And this is so important and this is basically the crux of what I'm speaking. First was the enemy ravages. Second was David responds. And the final thing is God restores. Verse 6 is the center of what happens before and after. Verse 6, David goes to God and he's strengthened. And then everything after that changes. You know, and I, I've titled my message, But David Strengthened Himself in the Lord. And if you remember, my last message was, But Joshua but the young man Joshua. So I'm thinking I want to start a but B-U-T series. Because we are called to be the people after the B-U-T. The world does this, but Suraj does that. It is natural for us to react this way, but we react a different way. We are called to be people who are contrary to what's going on in this world. When situations around us seem impossible, but there's something else that happens. And what happens after that is restoration. David inquires of the Lord and the Lord, tell, Lord tells him, go chase after the enemy. He goes, he takes back everything that the enemy was stolen, number one. Not only that, he also gets all that they have plundered, other than his own stuff, he gets more than he lost. That's our God. He's a God of restoration. When the enemy steals something, when God restores, he gives you more than you lost. That is the God we serve. Restoration is in the DNA of God. It is his nature. It is what he wants to do. It is his plan. I want to read a few scriptures about restoration. Psalms 23.3, he restores my soul. Isaiah 40.31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. He restores my strength. Isaiah 61.7, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. Jeremiah 30.17, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. Joel 2.28, and afterward I will pour my spirit. And then he's talking about restoration from, from the locust that, that the locust is even... 
restoration is through the Bible. If God's nature is to restore, if his plan is to restore, what is stopping you from believing for restoration, from receiving restoration, from expecting restoration? You know, my mom writes a book every year, and this year she is writing a book on restoration. I know we have lost a lot of things during COVID. You are sitting here, you may have lost something. Or you're going through a time when you're saying, oh, the enemy has taken away stuff from my life. He's taken away my joy. He's taken away my peace. He's taken away my money. He's taken away my, my, uh, those that are close to me. Whatever it is, God is able and he's willing to restore. I want you to believe that. Now, I want to say, I want to say one thing. God's restoration may not be your plan of restoration. His way of restoring is beyond your way. You may put a timeline to it. You may put a form and a shape to it. But the way God restores is beyond your wildest imagination. Because what he has in store for you, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even known what God has in store for his people. Amen. So I want you to trust his restoration. I want to call the worship team and we're going to pray over you and we're going to believe for restoration. You know, Jesus came to this world. You know what his biggest ministry was? Restoration. He came to restore us back to the Father. He came to restore us back to the relationship that Adam and Eve had lost. He came to restore us back to the image of God. That's what Jesus did. He is willing and able to restore you. And give you more than you lost. I want us to bow our heads and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna just ask the Holy Spirit to minister. Whatever the enemy has stolen. I want you to reclaim it today. I want you to go to the enemy's camp and reclaim it. Not because you deserve it or you are qualified to do it, but because Jesus has placed us with authority. He has given us the authority. He gave us his sonship. Now the enemy is under our feet. And we can speak restoration into our lives. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. That's our God. God who restores. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You're gonna turn, you it. turn it for good. He's gonna turn you it. You turn it for good. Oh, take. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. One more time, you take, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you 
Find the one person. And I want you to speak restoration into their life. You can find out what they need restoration for, but if they're not comfortable sharing, that's okay. Just declare restoration over their finances, over their family life, over everything that the enemy has stolen. I want you to, come on, can you rise up to your feet? Can you find one person? Need not be in your family could be in your family, doesn't matter. Just find one person and speak into their life. Speak restoration. Come on. Today I believe that there is restoration happening in this house. Right now, I want to declare over everything that the enemy has stolen to be brought back into your life. Come on. Come on, receive it, receive it, receive. I want you to speak over, over people right now. Restore, restore, restore. Thank you for taking time to listen. If you would like more information about our church or would like to make a comment, please mail us at info at newlifeag.in. God bless you.